Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of AUHSD Future Talks. I'm your host, Superintendent Michael Matsuda, and as our audience knows, this show is all about jobs, careers, developing authentic student voice, and getting behind that. Who are the people from corporate, nonprofit, higher ed, to our very own educators who are making a difference and helping our kids find their voice, find their passion, uh, and their and and really working and supporting them to make this world a better place. I want to. I'm so proud to introduce one of our very own teachers in uh, in Orange County, Powell's Teacher of the Year, Jeff Kim. He's joining us today on this edition. Jeff, say hi to everybody. Uh, hello, everyone. And I just want to say what an honor it is for me to be a part of this. In our district, we have 1,200 amazing, amazing teachers. And for this, and for Superintendent Matsu to say, hey, uh, Jeff, I want you to be a part of this. I just want you to know I'm so thankful and appreciative and so honored. So I know this time is very precious, and, and we appreciate you giving us uh, your time, uh, Dr. Kim. So, and I, I'm, I always start with the opening question about sort of who you are and why you came into this profession called teaching. Uh, you know, I've been in uh, Anaheim Union High School District now. I've been privileged to work here for almost 20 years now. And uh, I have to say, when I was young, I never had a teacher that looked like me. So I never thought about becoming a teacher when I was young. Uh, but I had the opportunity to um, work in India for a little bit after I graduated from UC Santa Barbara and work in a classroom. And I saw the power of the teacher in the classroom of making a difference for others. And it just planted that seed in mind. If you're going to do one thing with your life, what's a great thing that you can do uh, that I just thought being a, it's being a teacher? Well, so you were really uh, moved by your work in India, uh, working with uh, and seeing how young people could be impacted. And I, um, I'm, I know that you've shared that story with me before. And I think that one of the things I saw with you early on, Jeff, is your love for, for young people, love and compassion for young people, as well as your colleagues. And I, I just want to, um, you know, affirm that um, it's needed so much even before the pandemic, but certainly after this trauma, as kids uh, attempt to heal from this trauma. What do you? Uh, what are your comments about this love and compassion? And maybe share a little bit about your work as uh, the Powell's uh, Teacher of the Year in Orange County. Yes, I'm so privileged once again to work with so many educators who. Of course, are wonderful at teaching content, but deep at the core, uh, they are such compassionate people. And I've had a chance to teach a number of different kinds of classes, but one of my very favorite was a PAL class, Peer Assistance Leadership. If there's a class that is caring about others, it's our PAL classes. They're fellow students, students supporting other students out of compassion. And so, you know, um, when I had the opportunity to teach that group, uh, we, we, we brainstormed and thought of ways using the five C's, how we could support um, our school. And uh, working with our PBIS, Positive Behavior Intervention Support, it's the students who actually created lessons for the entire school to do. So at South Junior High School, we have 1,600 students, and this PALS group created lessons for the entire uh, school. 
uh, that was and became a model actually for for many other schools as well. And I think that's why our PALS program at South Junior High School was awarded Outstanding PALS Program in Orange County twice. And also, I had the privilege of also being the uh, Outstanding PAL Advisor in all Orange County as well. So I was really impressed early on with the work that you're, you've done with the junior high, middle school age kids around PALS and giving them voice and choice and, and really moving towards sort of civic engagement, right? I think you were doing that long before we were calling it civic engagement. And when the opportunity came to train up some of our teachers, I know you were among the first, and now you are a, one of our lead teachers and trainers, not just for uh, the district, but, you know, I would say Southern California, you know, a number of folks have called upon your talents. Can you explain the purpose of, of civic engagement and this thing called the democracy school, which we lead now, the California with 15 democracy schools? But can you can you just what what is it? Why 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 is this so important now? You know, Mike, we we have the AUHSD Civic Learning Institute, and we have I believe about 300 teachers who have been trained through this institute in cohorts of about 20 to 30 each. And they kind of, we kind of become our own family, supporting each other and our schools with civic learning and engagement. And uh, one of the very first things I do when I begin this institute is I ask the question, why civics? And I can't tell you, Mike, how blessed I am when I hear other teachers sharing with me, like, why this is important to them. And as we start answering that question together and co-constructing that with one another, I mean, it just motivates us all why this work is so important and why we came into education in the first place. It's so that our young people will find out what they're good at and then to do good with it. And so, so many of our teachers are right on board with this, wanting, wanting and desiring our students to be civically engaged. It's a big part of, I think, why many educators came into teaching. So how let's... let's uh unravel this a little bit in terms of civic in, uh, engagement. What are the overarching sort of processes involved? Because so many teachers are afraid of bringing in, uh, you know, these is some of these issues, maybe the divisive issues out there. Um, and they, and, and then also too, I think, afraid of imposing their own views, right? Because that's really, really important component here. Could you uh, help uh, share with the audience what that means? Sure, how to have the hard to talk about conversations in the classroom, right? Well, it doesn't begin like that day one. So you don't begin day one like that. It's gonna begin at the very beginning when you're just saying hello, connecting with the kids. Uh, we have something called capturing kids' heart, hearts in all our schools where the number one thing that we wanna do is know students by name know their needs, know their stories, know their assets. This is a huge part of civics, community building, and it begins there. Then we decide what kind of classroom do we want to have? I don't tell them as a teacher. Together, we co-construct that with one another. And once again, this is modeling the practice of democracy and dialogue with the students. And we create a social contract together on the kind of classroom that we want. Then I give students the opportunity to talk about an issue that they care about. And we sometimes call this soapbox speeches or passion speeches. And we learn how to deliver some information that we care about in, 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 a, in a kind way, in a civil way, while others listen with compassion and empathy toward one another. So now you've got a lot of good things happening, right, already in the classroom. And this is taking some time. It's not happening day, once again, day one again. 
And then you create some norms on what does a civic classroom look like? And we have a special day, a day of dialogue, where we're going to talk about some of the hard to talk about issues. And we are able to in a civil way. And many people think our young people are not ready, but they are ready. And if not when they're young, then when? It's, this is the prime opportunity to give students the opportunity to share. And then once again, it's not me imposing my view on them. I rarely share my view. It's students having the opportunity to share their view and affirm one another. And, and they're also doing the research around these issues, kind of discerning fact from fiction, right? That's definitely a, a component of the civic engagement piece. Of course. Uh, once again, this isn't just another thing. In our district, we have like the five C's, communication, collaboration, creativity, critical thinking, all that that's happening in the classroom. We've been doing close reads. We know how to find the evidence and we do the same and apply it as well to any uh, major issue uh, out there as well, looking at both the pros and the cons before we share. So some people think of civic engagement, civic education, just as, um, you know, let's just do it in 12th grade civics or even history, right? But um, this is cross-curricular. Can you expand on that? You know, that's just uh, too late by the time they're 18. we got to begin when they're young, and we got to give them opportunity, and it's okay to create a safe place where they can even make mistakes, shall I say, um, and so imagine this, um, and I saw this first at Catella High School. It was a, um, a Catella Talks competition where students were talking about very vulnerable issues with one another in an auditorium. And when I saw that, I was deeply inspired. I said, how did, how did that happen? And then I asked myself, what would happen if in seventh grade, they were able to do that? In eighth grade, they were able to do that. In ninth grade, they're able to do that, and so on. In six years, they have the opportunity to not only talk about issues they care about, but to dialogue and have civil discourse and take civic action. Can you imagine the kind of students that would be graduating from AUHSD? Yes, I can imagine, Dr. Kim. And um, you and so many other teachers now are starting this process in seventh and eighth grade across the district. And I don't know if I shared this with you, but... Uh, we've had uh, uh, the vice chancellor from UC Irvine, and she's part of our collaborative, but our AUHSD students are outperforming other students from um, other districts, both with persistence rates as well as GPAs. Uh, it's mind-blowing because we are way out in front of what our demographics would predict. And she and other UCI uh, admissions folks who are looking at our data are attributing that to our kids coming in with purpose and passion. They want to change the world. They want to use education to do that. And that goes back to, I think, what's happening in classrooms like yours with a lot of uh, talk and student voice and connect learning. You know, that's the bottom line. Students are beginning to learn how to connect the dots, who is responsible for what, whatever their issue is. And um, they're ready to go, you know, by the time they graduate. They know that education is something that can work for them and not the other way around. So what, what um, and, and of course, this is cross-curricular. It's not just history. In fact, you have a lot of science teachers involved, art teachers, uh, math. Um, I'm, I'm just so impressed with the work, Jeff, that you've done in terms of leading so many of these trainings across the district. Uh, such a privilege and to see the ripple effect all over the district as well. So many people are working so hard on this uh, to have 28 of our schools in AUHSD having earned civic learning awards. So many of our schools 
uh, California democracy schools, which means the student is not only able to articulate an idea, but to take it all the way to action. And you mentioned cross-curricular. Let me give you an example. I'm sure there's many other sites, but even a brand new school, uh, Cambridge Virtual Academy, brand new to AUHSD this year, uh, if, if just their seventh graders alone, they were able to take an idea, deliver a soapbox speech in a cross-curricular way. So it was, it, it, we started it in history, then it moved on to English, where they added some emotional appeals and rhetoric. Then we passed it on to science. And very recently, they had something called the Collide, <laughs> where it was a mashup and virtual uh, showcase of civic engagement and learning. And that's just in the first year, seventh graders. Once again, Superintendent Matsu, can you imagine what they're going to be like in eighth grade, ninth, tenth, eleventh? If we just continue on the line, I mean, I just can't. I can't imagine. You know, that's one thing I'm really proud of our teachers too, because here we are at the end of the year. There's and yes, everybody's tired, right? But there's a lot of energy out there, Jeff, with our teachers, and they're working. They're going to be working and designing these great uh, civic applied civic lessons and problem-solving lessons across the district. So I think there's just a lot of positive energy. You had mentioned that some of the kids, though, have ventured into uh, topics that are very, uh, you know, very important, very uh, timely. And uh, certainly, you know, in the uh, spring and summer, a lot of uh, topics revolving around race. But then we had this, uh, the tragic situation in Atlanta, uh, around the um, Asian hate killings. And um, how did that affect some of the, the students, uh, Jeff? You know, I'll tell you this, this kind of hit a little close to home for me because, you know, um, when it comes to being called names and things like that, that's not something that uh, is unfamiliar to me. It's something that I've experienced uh, all my life. So I, I didn't, I didn't exp- when, when that started happening during the pandemic, I even more so, uh, it didn't surprise me, to be honest. Sadly, sadly, it didn't surprise me. However, uh, even before the stay-at-home order, when Asian American students came up to me and told me that they were scared, that they were fearful, uh, that there would be an escalation, that that made me sad. That broke my heart. But I just didn't know how much it would escalate. So I continued to be somewhat silent on the topic myself. So then the name-calling increased. And then we've seen like the, the beatings of the elderly. Um, and then, uh, like you mentioned, Superintendent Matsuda, the shootings as well. And so I knew uh, I couldn't just not do anything about this. I needed to give the students a space to do something about it. So the students do care about this issue and they want to respond in a civil way. So they participated in something called a No Better campaign at the very beginning in partnership with Orange County Department, uh, OCHR. and. Um, uh, in there, they 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 supported work to fight against the anti-Asian racism through PSAs and through other uh, social media uh, talks. We also had a day of dialogue where we had community processing circles for students to be able to process what they're feeling. And this is very powerful. Once again, places of dialogue where mutual understanding can be developed. And not just among Asian Americans, but when one group is able to share their pain and their joys others are able to understand and celebrate as well. So it became kind of, I think, iconic and helpful for many students to wrap their mind around race and think of positive next steps. 
So speaking of some of those positive next steps, um, our board of trustees has endorsed ethnic studies and uh, it will be a graduation requirement beginning with the class of 2027. I think these are current seventh graders. So, and I know that this is a, as a history and a social studies teacher, you're very interested in this and you are developing a curriculum around Asian Pacific American ethnic studies. Can you share a little bit of uh, light on that project? Yeah, I think uh, when it comes to young people, adolescents, whether they're in middle school or in high school uh, and whatever ethnicity background they are, every young person is asking themselves this question. Who am I? Mm. Who am I? And it's so much harder, I think, when you don't know your story, when you don't see your story in history. And sadly, that has oftentimes been the case. Uh, as for Asian American history in, in my personal life, I, I was I, I did not know any Asian American history. I had not covered there was no coverage of any Asian American history until I went to college. And when I took an intro Asian American studies class, I was just so shocked and so surprised that of what I learned. And, and I realized how important this is, even back then, uh, that, our, that our students get to an opportunity to see their story in history. Because when they see their story in history, then they're able to see our story as we look forward into history, into the future. And I think that's very important, Jeff, in these, because uh, some people who are not familiar with ethnic studies, they think it's divisive and that it's just ethnocentric and um, teaches hate. What would you say to people that are questioning that, that this is an anti-sort of uh, American or, you know, and it, it, it divides the community. It doesn't bring it together. You know, in our, our constitution, there's that phrase, a more perfect union. I love it. I love it. It recognizes we're not perfect. Even the founders from the very beginning, we were not there, but we wanted to make it better and each generation making it better. And so uh, when I think about uh, this, it's an opportunity to make a more perfect union. Part of it will be looking at the past. And we do want to look at the past because we wanna build on the traditions that worked. And if there is anything that uh, was was painful to our country, we we do not wanna repeat that once again. But I think uh, when we uh, look at ethnicity, when we look at race, from a culturally honoring perspective and realize that we're, we're culturally and color blessed in AUHSD and in this country, it's an opportunity to really be compassionate to people that are different around us and to also globally connect with people all over the world. This is a great opportunity for our students. Wow. I feel your energy, Jeff, as a teacher, as an educator. In the few minutes that we have left, because this show is about careers, and I, you know, there's the teachers have sort of in some of the sectors of the media have taken a beating for our audience. And there's a lot of young people who listen in and who might be thinking about being a teacher. What is your advice to them? You know, I'm thinking about, uh, first of all, this pandemic of 2020, you know, and uh, there's a lot, a lot of media about schools and learning loss and things like that. But I have worked with so many teachers and I've seen our teachers work harder than ever before. And our students learning in ways that they have never learned before. What 
they were there for our students during the toughest time. And the lessons that they learned through this, they didn't just help them go through this, but they're going to help our students grow through this. And that's what teaching is about. It's about helping students, our young people, find what they're good at. And not just to make more money or learn skills, although we want them to learn skills or learn content, we want them to do good with it, to be compassionate toward others. Is there a higher calling than that? Helping people to find what they're good at and then to help them do good with it? If there's another job that allows you to do that, let me know because that's an awesome job. You know, we started this conversation, Jeff, about love and compassion, and uh, we're ending it with love and compassion. And when I know when people meet you and they think about you, they think love and compassion. We're so blessed to have leaders like you in our district and in our profession on behalf of all of our kids and the future of our country. Thank you very much, Dr. Jeff Kim, for being our guest today. Thank you so much, Superintendent Matsuda. And as a fellow teacher, thank you so much for leading the way and showing the way for all of us. You are a light and inspiration to me and help me to be the best that I can be as well. So thank you so much.